This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Jessica Alderson, co-founder and CEO at SoSynced. Jessica, welcome to the Business of podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Terrific. Thank you for coming, Jessica. All right. PR. What does this acronym mean to you? If you're moving from one country to the other, it's definitely about permanent residency. If you're launching a product, in our today's conversation, a mobile product, it's about public relations and making a splash to grab mobile users' attention. How big of a splash you can do with it? The size of a splash from the meteorite that killed all the dinosaurs in the Mexican Gulf 66 million years ago, or barely noticeable? Today, we have Jessica to share her experience of doing a PR campaign for her app, So Synced. But first, before anything else, as usual on this show, Jessica, please, Tell us about yourself a bit. Uh, what is your background? Sure. So I actually studied chemistry at university, so quite different to what I'm doing now. And then I worked at an investment bank for five years. So yeah, was in finance for a while, um, then took a year off to travel, then worked at a flexible office company back in London, and then set up so synced. So I've done quite a few things really. Um, but yeah, I run the company with my sister Lou and it essentially came from a breakup. I moved to Australia at one point um, with my partner who I'd been with for quite a while. We ended up breaking up. I was leaving my job at the same time. And that's when I took that year to travel. And mm -hmm. during that year of traveling, I spent a lot of time delving deep into personality compatibility. And I saw that there were very strong correlations between which personality types were more likely to end up together in terms of romantic relationships and which personality types were say less compatible. Um, so yeah, me and my sister took those findings and set up SoSynced, which is our dating app based on personality types. Well, that's amazing. So from chemistry to banking to app for dating that's that that's a that's a quite a path i don't think i can recall any other guests on the show previously who has it so diverse um let's spend a few minutes just to talk a bit about more about your company your app so synced so well, what are we thinking um what's the um how does the app work sure so you sign up like a normal dating app for at least the first part. And then the second part of the sign up, we have a personality test. Or if you know your personality type already, then you can input it without taking our test. It takes a few minutes to complete. And at the end, you get your personality type. It's four letters. So it's based on the 16 personalities framework, which quite a lot of people know already. It's the most popular personality test in the world. So it's like, INFJ, ESFP, those personality types. Do, do you know yours by any chance? 
I never che I I heard about this uh, testing, but I never um, bothered to ch check myself to what personality type I'm I belong to. Yeah, well, most people do really, really relate, so you should do it. I guess yeah, after let's this pick podcast, it up. Yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. Uh huh. Yeah, and it's um yeah, it just has lots of different benefits. So yeah, we tell you your personality type. You then go through to the main app, post sign up, and then you can see different users, different people, different profiles, and we let you know about their personality type. And we have essentially a unique matching algorithm um, based on your personality compatibility. And it's yep. not that mm -hmm. we match the same personality types. So if you're an ISFP, you know, your, your ideal match wouldn't be another ISFP. It's complementary personality types. So it's basically an ideal match is someone who has enough similarities with you so you can form a strong connection, but then enough differences to create a spark and a sense of attraction. Yeah, as, as you're explaining it to me right now, it does make a lot of sense to me. And I wonder how come Tinder doesn't work this way or they just don't bother, they want us to swipe left and right. They don't care if we're actually finding somebody of our type to be with but um yeah if you're taking a smarter approach if you're actually plugging science which you always should do that's the way of doing it um i'll definitely check out uh, the testing and see to what type uh, i i belong to because i uh, never occurred to me before doing it um today's topic on the table is pr or public relations it's a well-known marketing technique Getting publicity has been a thing for a while. And of course, it morphed significantly since social media took off. Um, you worked with this channel doing promotion for your app. Do you think PR is an app marketing technique that's applicable to all kinds of apps or kind of, a, you know, there are exceptions? Yeah, I don't think it's applicable to all kinds of apps. And I don't think it's applicable to even necessarily startups in the same vertical at different stages, you know, you don't always get a good return on investment or return on time, I guess, depending on how effective at it you are firstly, or your PR company, um, and kind of secondly, I guess, your specific outcomes and goals with it. Like to some extent, it is a branding thing. You mm -hmm. don't always see like lots of user acquisition from being featured in an article. I think it depends, you know, exactly what the article says and how you're featured. So I, it's something that, you know, it's very powerful to us and it's worked very well for us. But I do always say, you know, particularly to early stage startups, this might not be right for you right now. I think when it comes to dating, it's especially powerful because there's a lot of trust that you need when it comes to dating, you know, people are looking for, in our case, because it's based on relationships, their life partner, potentially. Yeah. Um, that's a really big decision. And, you know, people give up a lot of time to go on dates, right? So you really want to have confidence in the app that you're on. And one of our early advisors said to us, you know, when we were talking about PR, I was kind of questioning about the return on investment she was like well do you really want to be one of those you know tacky dating apps that you see on instagram ads that no one really knows and no one really trusts 
And I was like, wow, we definitely don't want to be that. Of course. Yeah. So um, I think the kind of a guiding principles, uh, guiding principle for should I go with PR or not could be like, if I'm building a brand, if I have see a potential for this thing to be covered by media, because it's interesting, it's it touches a lot of lives, it's meaningful. So I'm sorry to say, if this is another calculator app or notes taking app, it may not take off at all in PR. It's got to be something about um, making a significant dent in people's lives, hopefully for the better. Um, in this respect, yeah, there is a potential for a PR to pick it up, but of course, no guarantee. But at least you know that this is um, interesting, not worthy, not not worthy enough for media to pick up in principle, right? Yes, exactly. And I think a good lens to think of it through is how does this impact other people, essentially, because most people are thinking about themselves a lot of the time or their family or their friends, like their kind of smaller bubble. So, you know, you can end up getting lots of coverage if you're a top, top, top celebrity. But I really mean, you know, the royal family, Kim Kardashian, yeah. like this uh -huh. kind of level, even, you know, kind of like famous and inverted commas entrepreneurs are probably not going to get loads of coverage compared to, I guess, kind of more like lifestyle celebrities. So really, you know, journalists as well are always thinking about, oh, how will people relate to this? Is it, you know, great advice that they want to hear? Is it an app that will massively benefit them? Will this app save them time? Will it bring a lot more fun to their lives? Like there's lots of ways that you can positively impact people's lives. But I think you have to be very clear about that when you're kind of, I guess, like doing a, a PR campaign. I, th I think it's the right moment. I can plug, plug my favorite quote from Kara Swisher, uh, the famous tech journalist. The Silicon Valley has spent a lot of time chasing small ideas with big money. It's time to chase big ideas with big money. So yeah, think about it this way. Um, so now let's assume we have a specific app project in mind and looking at our competitors, we do see a potential of taping this channel, meaning we are uh, approaching media with the app that we see other apps in this uh, segment has been successful, they've been covered. So we're kind of a, have the ballpark, the ballpark of understanding will it work or not. Next step, how do we identify the audience we need to approach? Yeah, so I think firstly, you can kind of brainstorm and use your intuition. So, you know, you, you probably talk to your user base, you probably have a, a fairly good idea, hopefully, if you're kind of, you know, I guess, like at least a certain way along in your startup journey, you've launched, you've got users. Um, yeah, I think like the best path to go down is to brainstorm, think about what publications they would be reading, and then think about what kind of things they would want to read and yeah it kind of always goes back to how does this benefit them exactly so all right once we know the audience to talk to with our PR campaign what are my next steps then the next steps I would say are to research journalists who've written about competitors maybe they're not direct competitors maybe they're just kind of indirect competitors or more loose competitors for certain publications. 
and make a list and then start reaching out. And ideally, you don't want a journalist who's written about a similar app, say like yesterday or last week, you know, they're probably not going to write a similar story, particularly for the same publication. Um, but, you know, say a journalist has written about a similar app, say six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, that's when it's more ideal. And they're more likely to have, say, like a personal interest. And particularly if their story did well, they'll be excited about, I guess, an app in a similar vertical. But then I would say also you do have to have a really clear USP, otherwise they just won't write about you. They're not going to write the same story six months later. So you do okay. have to have a really good point of differentiation. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, you may not realize when you read um, any publication, um, your favorite ma um, uh, magazine or newspaper, um, there's people who read these articles, they... Um, each of them that they have so-called beat, meaning they cover a specific topic. So when you're approaching a publication, you see one, some people may cover uh, medical stuff, science, education, tech. So when you're approaching journalists, you shouldn't, you, first you just need to make sure that this particular author, uh, the reporter covers uh, technology apps. You'll obviously you will, realize that, you know, judging by their articles written previously for similar apps, but just uh, um, understand that there is a kind of a, um, there's a lineup of app, like uh, probably there's a queue of apps he or she's covering on a regular basis. Uh, she obviously check out the app store for every once in a while. If nobody's pitching her and him, probably that's a very rare, rare case. I think they've been bombarded pretty heavily by uh, pitches, but sometimes you should go to the app store, check what's great for this week, and this is the next step to cover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's exactly it. When I say loose competitors, I do mean very broad. So consumer tech, you know, that's a very kind of broad bucket, but you know, if a journalist is regularly writing about consumer tech companies, there's yeah. a good chance that they will want to write about you as long as you pitch in the right way and find an interesting angle. Now, both short and long term, what should be my strategy for engaging with reporters and online publications in general? Yeah, I think a good point to think about is to empathize with them and understand how busy they are. So, you know, just be pretty brief in how you reach out. You know, I usually send probably two to three paragraphs, like kind of background, why they should read the rest of the email. Like, you know, I say we've been featured in XYZ to essentially give some social proof. And then, yeah, just like literally a few sentences of the pitch and, you know, potentially why they would want to to write about us and our idea. And then, you know, as you develop relationships, then journalists will start reaching out to you. And then I guess, you know, you have a kind of back and forth dialogue. Um, but yeah, the kind of initial pitch and really, I guess every interaction to some extent, just kind of like understand how busy they are. And I don't really follow up to be honest. Um, I know this, you know, like lots of salespeople say to follow up all the time. And like, you know, I've shared my thoughts. I've 
had an interaction with them, they've replied, you know, I'm not going to follow up and be like, oh, when when's the article getting published? When's the article getting published? Because often they don't know. They'll send it to an editor and then the editor will have a you know publishing timeline, but that might change and they'll probably already be writing their next piece. So to have you emailing them and yeah. be like, oh, when's it coming? They don't know. They'll have to email someone else, wait for a reply. They might have to chase it's kind of just not very efficient. So, you know, you might have an interaction with a journalist, like quite an in-depth one, and the article never gets published. You kind of just have to take it with a pinch of salt and move on and just like pursue new opportunities. Yeah, exactly. The art is busy as you are probably even more. Uh, why you're following them, them up is to make sure that actually paid attention to your email, because just like you, um, check out your email on a daily basis throughout the week and all those emails that were opened but never replied waiting for Friday to finally reply to those emails maybe the same situation with the reporter trying to pitch your app he or she um, took a glance at her, his or her inbox saw your email but never had a really chance to open the email paid attention or maybe it's just stuck in the middle it's just waiting to be you know finished and sent to you back. So your uh, reminder is just to make sure you're still on the radar. But yeah, you, yeah. you, you can do it forever. Yeah I, guess, right? yeah, I guess I don't follow up, you know, once I've had an interaction, once they've been like, you know, thank you so much for this, then I'm like, okay, interaction done. If the article gets published, great. If it doesn't, and you know, yeah, I've kind of done what I have to, I've done all I can, essentially. Exactly. Uh, can you share some signs of uh, how you can judge that your PR campaign is actually successful? I assume we're not talking about the number of downloads we're getting from the press release. That's just not feasible, not possible to uh, expect. But what are the signs of success? success? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, some articles we do get a lot of downloads from, um, some we don't. So it is kind of hard to measure depending on the type of mention you get. Um, I would say it, it's, I guess measuring PR is just less quantitative. It's not that accurate in terms of like, you know, how you measure the success of PR. One, I don't know if you'd call it a metric, but one signal I like to look out for is when I know friends of friends say, you know, they're talking about it and then people are like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I've seen so synced, I've read about it quite a lot, or you know, quite a lot of, of the time people will say to me when I'm explaining about it, oh yeah, do you do press? Because I, I think I've read about you before. And I'm like, yeah, we are regularly featured in quite a lot of publications. Um, so to hear that mm -hmm. does show, okay, it is working, like the name is getting out there. And when you kind of spark that fire, say people, read about you and then they talk to a friend, maybe have an app user who mentions so synced and they've already read about us. That's when it really makes a difference. I guess like quite a few different touch points. So I'd say PR is most powerful, like in conjunction with other forms of user acquisition, even if it is, you know, quite simply like word of mouth. So was that, uh, was a PR campaign, uh part of the toolbox to launch the app or is it something you can use 
just down the road when the app is on the app store, you got some initial recognition from PR campaign. You're the first one. Do you think there's a there's a sense to go back to the PR campaign again and and just do more outreaches to media? Yeah, definitely. As long as you've got an interesting angle, and it really depends on the vertical that you're in and your industry. Um, for us, you know, we do a lot of, I guess, uh, kind of press around relationship advice and advice around friendships, like essentially mm-hmm. um, press to do with meaningful connections um, or like dating more broadly. So as long as you kind of find your angle and hopefully it's something that is recurring, it's not like, you know, kind of one story and that's it. You kind of like need a theme that you can, I guess, be involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually for our launch, we didn't get much press coverage. Um, you know, we, we tried, <laughs> um, but it just like didn't really work, to be honest, in the UK or the US. Um, but we we were persistent and yeah, you know, got there eventually. Cool. Um, any final tips to sum it all up? I mean, I would say persistence is really key. Um, you know, like the first kind of, I guess, batch of outreaches I did, I wrote to probably 100 or 150. It was there, thereabouts, journalists. It was ahead of Valentine's Day. Oh. And I got like one reply. Um, and it was like, you know, fortunately we were featured in that publication, but it took a long time. It took, say, like a week of... <laughs> you know, pretty much working on it full time, finding the contacts, personalizing the emails, things like that. But it's kind of like this snowball effect. As soon as you start getting featured in publications, you can then say to journalists you're reaching out to, oh, you know, we've been featured in the Wall Street Journal and Forbes and Fortune and Business Insider. And then they're like, oh, this isn't some kind of random person just, you know, launching an app and seeing how it goes and just kind of taking a chance. They're like, okay, these people are serious about this and other publications are taking them seriously. So I will too, like essentially, you know, social proof. Yeah, this is great. So once you manage to kind of a turn off, turn a few heads at your app from big media, there's, you know, the chances of getting more and more goes progressively up because uh, you're getting a social proof. Um, it's like, they're definitely checking each other all the time what has been covered what's popular there. Uh, these publications are on each, each other's radar all the time. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. And you know, I'm not reaching out to a hundred journalists now and getting one reply that would not be ideal. That's kind of what you might have to do in the early stages, but it definitely gets better. Cool. Um, Jessica, uh, having this experience of running your business for more than two years by now, um, what would you like to change about digital marketing the most? Yeah, so in terms of digital marketing, do you mean digital ads or just like marketing more broadly? Marketing in broad in, in a broad sense. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm not sure there's really anything that I would change. Like, I now think there are just really great tools. Um, you know, where you can create great marketing content quickly. There's like a variety of platforms. So 
yeah I mean I guess you know it'd be great if our or like you know if acquisition costs were low and that would kind of be a a, a nice thing but I, I guess I kind of just think of it as it is what it is and you kind of have to work with like certain constraints but that's what makes it fun but let's take a slightly different angle. What was the hardest part? You you wish you had more tools um, under your uh, fingertips or any extra help, more information being available? Yeah, I mean, I guess competitive benchmarks would be great. Um, I think that's not so easy to find in terms of marketing. We have good benchmarks on like kind of the product side for you know, retention, things like that. Um, but it's quite hard to find competitive benchmarks for specific like marketing channels. Mm -hmm. So I guess like more transparency around that would definitely be helpful. Got you. All right. We've covered the topic on the table and this is the first part of the show and we're transitioning to the second one where I'm taking a chance uh, to ask every guest who comes on the show just a few quick questions because I do want to let my audience know people who are coming on the show a little bit better. So here we go. What smartphone do you have now? Um, have you been switching between these two platforms or one side all the time? Uh, yes, so I have an iPhone and I've had an iPhone for, I guess, a, a, as long as I can remember really or, you know, I've never had an Android phone. Um, I guess I don't really overthink it. It's just, you know, I have it. It works really well for me. I don't overanalyze it. Um, it's kind of, I guess, how I run like quite a lot of areas of my life and like, yeah, you know, that's great. Let's not overthink it really. Gotcha. All right. Um, before the iPhone, before, you know, uh, smartphones as we know them now. Uh, what is the first mobile phone, the one you could put in your pocket? Yeah, that was a Nokia 3310, which I think is, you know, one of the most classic. Classic, <laughs> of course. Phones, right? Yeah, so that was my first phone with, uh, like, Snake. And, Snake. You know, obviously, just text messaging, no photos. That was a long time before photos. Phone calls, SMS, and Snake. That's yes, it. exactly. Yeah, that was it. And, and 10p text messages as well. I remember that. Oh, yeah, right. So back to present. Imagine you've left your iPhone at home for whatever reason. You're out. Uh, what is the most missing feature for you? Um, for me, I'm terrible with directions. So it would be Google Maps. <laughs> I'd probably like get out of the front door and be like, is it left? Is it right? Like, where do I go? Um, it would be yeah, a disaster. And I think back to the times before Google Maps, I remember like printing out directions from a printer and kind of like annotating them and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, Google Maps has definitely changed my life and made it better. Gotcha, Jessica. I think in a few more hundred episodes, I would be able to write a scientific paper claiming that Google Maps became part of our brain. Uh, I mean, for real, so many guests name the same app. It's just, yeah. um, you just take it for granted. Uh, and yeah, when when it's not in your pocket, you you can just put up your map and see where you're going, um, how long it's going to take, you know, uh, any uh, uh, problems on the way with the public transportation, et cetera. You just take it as, as granted. Yeah, it's so true. It, you know, technology becomes part of our life so quickly and it's 
hard to remember how we existed without it. So yeah, it's kind of, I think, nice to take a step back sometimes and just be grateful for it, really. Exactly. Speaking of technology on the phone, uh, if you can think of anything uh, hardware, software with your iPhone, you wish uh, would be either better or some new feature, which is not there at the moment. What be, what would be that feature for you? Yeah, I would love like a kind of centralized app that deals with personal admin or maybe even company admin, two different sections of the app that, you know, you connect it to a few things. I don't know if it's, you know, probably like your bank account, like say, you know, I want to have like a dental checkup every six months, that kind of thing. And then it automatically connects to other systems and kind of just books it in for you. Um, I really like don't love personal admin. Um, so anything that can kind of take that away would be very nice for me. Got you. Okay. Before I let you go, very, very final question. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Sure. So we have a website, www.sosync.com. That's S-O-S-Y-N-C-D. So sync without the E. Um, and then we're present on all the major social media channels, um, Instagram, at SoSync, same with Twitter, same with TikTok. And yeah, like, you know, people can follow me personally as well. I have Twitter. Um, but yeah, we're always keen to, to chat to people. It's obviously a very personal business that we have. Um, and yeah, we're always very excited to hear feedback. This is great. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending time with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Jessica Alderson, co-founder and CEO at SoulSynced. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.